Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is David Frankham, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Greg Gerber is with us, uh, sharing your thoughts on the passing of Tommy Kirk. Tommy Kirk, Disney legend, passed away la- last week. This is program airs at age 79. Greg Gerber, our resident Disney expert and our resident Barbera expert. The other thing about Tommy Kirk, and this is this is very important, it's, it's one of the things I like to stress about these these performers, just like Annette, uh, they're crucial to the the foundation of what Disney Studios became because he made a film called The Shaggy Dog, and that film, at first glance, seems like this frothy comedy. It's powerhouse. First of all, Sleeping Beauty took six years to make, cost $6 million, which was very expensive. It is a magnificent film. It's like a moving painting. But it was not a big success when it first opened. And shortly after that, The Shaggy Dog came out, and that was a pilot for a TV series that ABC passed on. Walt Disney was ahead of his time. Topper was the first Supernatural uh, series because it was about ghosts and it had special effects in it, but it was based on the movie series. The Shaggy Dog was really what the escapist supernatural you know, fantasy comedies of the 60s predated, but the networks didn't or weren't ready. But the public was, and The Shaggy Dog was a huge hit. What was cool about The Shaggy Dog, if you watch it, is it is not played totally like a comedy. It's also played like a horror movie. And his character is a dramatic character and is not played for laughs. Tommy Kirk is a very serious character. He's the underdog, so to speak. <laughs> he is the guy who doesn't get the girl, the, the beautiful French uh, girl who moves in next door, the lovely Roberta Shore. And Annette, you know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't, he, he's a loser in love. And so he's he's the one that you you feel for. And then when this thing happens to him, he's turning into a dog because of a cursed ring. It's the worst possible thing to happen at the worst possible time. And it's done like the Wolfman. So it's treated as a scary, creepy thing. And so when you watch this movie, it has this subtlety to it. And it builds rather than just being just crazy gags from the get go. And it was very, very, very successful. And what that did was set the tone for what became the Disney um, fantasy comedy that carried them. Because what this movie became was the Dis- kind of the Disney B movie. 
This was what paid the way for the big movies. You know, you had these movies that were shot on basically a television budget, maybe slightly higher because Disney had more money because they could repurpose these on television and also show them overseas where they were smashes too. And so they had a higher gloss to them than an average B movie, but they were still shot with a lot of the TV crew and, you know, they, they spilled over and they, and they could also, because Walt Disney was really the star of all of these movies, they could use familiar character actors who you loved seeing in these movies. You know, people forget son of flubber had Paul Lind in it before he was really well known. A lot of these, these performers were given their opportunities in these early films, you know, just like on TV shows, you'd get guest shots of people in their early careers so th these were very, very impactful. So Tommy Kirk was constantly being put into these films, either in the lead or not. There's another film that was never made where he was going to play a major role um, called The Rainbow Road to Oz. Walt Disney owned the rights to the, all the Oz books, but the first two, which were public domain. And they were going to make this original film starring the Masketeers and a couple of other actors. And a, an original score was written. And Tommy Kirk was going to play this kind of wizard type, young wizard type character. And I believe he was even going to have a song to sing. And he didn't really sing in any of the films. And uh, Walt Disney just saw it wasn't going to quite work. And he also, you know, The Wizard of Oz became an institution on television in 1956 when it was first premiered. And they were going to make this film around 57, 58. And I think he saw that not only was it going to start, he was going to compete with this classic, but I, they just weren't ready to make a full-scale musical. And if you watch Babes in Toyland, which to me is like a lavish TV special rather than a feature film, a really good TV special, and I love the movie, but it doesn't quite play like a movie movie. It plays like a, a stage show or a television show, which Tommy Kirk is also in. Um, and again, he plays kind of an underdog character who is kind of mistreated by the toy maker played by ed Wynn. he uh he's always the kind of the underdog character that you root for it it uh, showed that the rainbow road to oz was having the plug pulled probably was a good idea now f trivially if you want a little morbid of trivia some of the songs were saved and used for a record al album in 1969 called the cowardly lion of oz so if you want to look for that you can hear what the songs were going to sound like Anyway, he was in, he was going to be in that, and that would have been another another breakthrough for him. But he was in Swiss Family Robinson, another movie that was ginormous smash. And uh, one of the friends of TV Confidential, Joyce Boulafont, was talking about that because her husband at the time, James MacArthur, was in that. And he again pl he played the brother who wasn't the more athletic, the more outgoing. You know, he was the the other son the more studious that that was the kind of role he played. He played the brooding more And that was a more dramatic role. And then there's another film he was in called the horse masters. And that was a pivotal film uh, because it was shot in England and it was made for TV here, but released as a film in England. The horse masters is an important Disney film because it introduced the Stremon song, which Walt, uh, which brought the Walt's attention to the Sherman brothers. They had been writing songs for Annette for years. 
Uh, and this this came along in 61, but they've been writing for, for Annette for several years already, and she had three top ten hits. And this is where Jimmy Johnson brought uh, the Shermans into his office personally. This is that famous story about Walt said, play, uh, play this thing, and he thought they were going to be playing the Parent Trap songs, and they played the Horsemaster Strumming song, and he's because he but Walt had gone into the whole story of the parent trap. There's these twins and they're separated and they go to this camp. And they said, Oh, well, we came about the horse masters. And he said, Oh, well, since I told you the whole story, why don't you write some songs for the parent trap? And he really liked the songs and he saw that they had the knack for having an instinct about story for music and gave them more and more work and eventually put them on staff. And that's what led to Mary Poppins. So the Horace Masters is a truly important film, just like Babes in Toyland is. Without those films to lead the way, and Summer Magic, another one, which he isn't in though, but but led to Mary Poppins. Uh, so so his his career is is really really significant in that in that way as well. You know, you've got uh, the Monkey's Uncle. Now that's not exactly uh, Citizen Kane. It's actually, though, the sequel to The Misadventures of Merlin Jones, which there's no question that that was made to be to be cut in half and shown for two weeks on the Disney shows. Both of those movies cleanly break in half into two different stories. But The Monkey's Uncle had the theme song with the Beach Boys in it. Yep. And, and that's that's really cool. And they're on camera singing with Annette, you know. And that that's very that that's very memorable for that reason. But also what what the monkey's uncle and Merlin Jones and Babes in Toyland reveal is that that uh, and I don't know if I've ever discussed this on the show. Uh, pretty much every single Disney live action movie from Davy Crockett, not well around Davy Crockett on was modular so that it could be edited into like 51 to 53 minute segments and shown on television. And yeah, if you, if you watch a Disney film, you can time it and see where it can be. It can be cut into two or three parts. And that's one of the reasons that some of them seem a little longer and some of them seem a little shorter. And some of them feel a little padded like Bon Voyage which is another film Tommy Kirk was in with Fred McMurray about a family that goes to Paris. That is a, a comedy. Deborah Wally is in it, Jane Wyman. And uh, it's just, it's wackiness in uh, Paris and the song by the Sherman brothers. That one seems a little bit lengthy. And that's because I believe because they had to get that, that third hour for the, the third week on the show. Uh, because if you time it now, with even with Mary Poppins, you can time it out. Not that, and and by the same token, if you took the Horse Masters, which is a two week, two part, Sunday Night Wonderful World of Color, put it together, and you've got a movie. Johnny Tremaine was supposed to be a two part show in 1957, and it turned out so good that they decided, well, let's make a theatrical out of it. But it's really a two-part story when you watch it. So that was that was the system. That was the beautiful system that they created, and it continued well into the seventies. So Tommy Kirk was was part of all of that, uh, and it's a rich career. And 
I think he realized that later in his life. You know, he drifted in all kinds of problems. Then he had, I believe, a uh, a home uh, maintenance and cleaning company for a very long time, and and found some success and and recognition uh, in the last years of his life. I think the last years of his life, as far as I know, were happier because he was getting the 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 love from the fans. You know, a lot of these folks are stunned when they find out. I was just, you know, we'll get to. There, you, a lot of these people who come from that generation not only find out that they had fans from the era, but they find out to their surprise that they have young fans who are either introduced to it by their parents uh, or grandparents or just discovered it on their own. They stumbled upon it and said, I really like this movie. It's different. It's fun. It's uh, it's it's just you know, it's just it's dramatic or it's silly or it's funny or it's colorful. But Tommy Kirk is a, a an actor, a performer who will really live on because some of the films he made are just delightful fun. And some of the movies he made are bona fide classics. Uh, Old Yeller is a definite classic. Uh, Swiss Family Robinson is 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 a wonderful adaptation that that takes the novel and makes it into um, a a really fun, exciting movie. That was a smash hit. And uh, I'm sorry, but Babes in Toyland. Some people say, you know, it's so silly, it's so cute. I think Babes in Toyland is on the par as a Christmas special, an annual event, on a par with the Rankin Bass specials and Charlie Brown and things like that. It's something you watch every year. Because it's just it's just like having having your candy canes and your lifesavers, you know, candy storybook and all the traditions. In our house, it's a tradition, and I know it is with a lot of other people. Tommy Kirk, Disney legend, passed away uh, last week as this program airs at the age of 79. You can read Greg Airbar twice a month, cartoonresearch.com. Judy Beecher will join us when we come back on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash TV Confidential or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415 415- 886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.